Welcome back to Life on the Vine with your hosts. I'm Dan, or Hutch, I guess, and I'm here with Jackson Siebert. Siebert, Seibert, whatever you want to call me. That's fine. Uh, I'm used to it. I'm sorry. Ed, Jackson, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. As always, a pleasure to be in the Hannesy Howard studio. Yes. Coming to you live. And uh, so the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about... Freedom. Yes. Right? Freedom. Freedom. I'll spare you the uh, William Wallace freedom yell this yeah. this episode. Yeah, there you go. Well, so freedom, we have been talking about this, and last week we began to explore the idea of freedom in Christ. What does it mean when we're connected to the vine, when we're trying to live in the kingdom by the power of the Spirit? What does this freedom look like? What does it mean to experience this freedom? And we sort of differentiated. You, you kind of talked us through the, the difference between interior and exterior freedom. And we last week, we talked about exterior freedom. So I wonder, just before we launch into um, today's topic, interior freedom, I wonder if you could just kind of give our listeners a recap of, of what we talked about last week. What are the important things that we need to be aware of as we move forward in this conversation? Yeah, so if you didn't listen last week, uh, actually, I would advise you to go back two weeks, listen to our first episode on freedom, and then listen to um, last week was exterior freedom. Uh, But just for those who already listened, a little recap, exterior freedom that we talked about was really um, relational and kind of the freedom that we have to enter into relationship with Christ enter into relationship with with one another um and the freedom that we um we kind of talked about paul and how paul kind of points us back to the words of jesus in the sermon on the mount and how we because we have been um saved and justified through christ then we now have the freedom to live into who christ or who God created us to be, right? And so we can now enter into these relationships that are kind of tricky, or we are able to forgive in in a new way. We're able to um, go into situations that we may not have ever wanted to speak into before because our identity and our value is rooted in Christ. And so that allows us to live with this kind of abandon. Right. Right. Yeah. And and the foundation really of all of this freedom that we experience or that is on offer to us as followers of Jesus is exactly that is rooted in who who we are and what Christ has done for us. Right. So the refrain that we had last episode, who we are and whose we are. Right. Who we are and whose we are. Love it. Love it. So, so interior freedom. So I think we've, you've sort of invited us and and pointed out that these two things are related, but when we think about interior freedom, um, what are some aspects of interior freedom that relate to this kind of the exterior freedom conversation that we've been having? Yeah. Some of the, the interior freedoms that we're talking about that's, um, would be things like freedom from guilt, mm. freedom from shame, mm. freedom from fear. Those things would be 
some of those um, kind of interior things that we're delivered from yeah. that we no longer have to hold on to because of who we are and whose we are, right? We're coming back to that f- refrain yeah. a bunch so here. The, the exterior and interior freedoms both have the same foundation. The same they foundation. They both stem from the same understanding of who Christ is, what Christ has done, who is this triune God that we serve, what is he doing? Right, and we, we talked about how our freedom moves us into kind of the Sermon on the Mount, moves us into, you know, Paul borrows from the Sermon on the Mount, yeah, right? Or the same ideas, at least, right? Yeah. And that we're loving our neighbor as ourself, and we're loving God with our entire being. Those right. two things, if we can do those two things, that sums up the entire law, right? That yeah. sums up yeah. what we're supposed to do. And, and so um, we can't love our neighbor... We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. Or Jesus, he like one-ups it and he says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Yeah. Woo. Okay, that's really hard. Now let's love our neighbor as ourself. Well, we yeah. can't really love our neighbor very well unless we love ourself hmm. well, right? Yeah. And this is not the same loving yourself as like self-care and going to get massage and facials and pedicures yeah. and stuff. There's room and time and yeah. a place for rejuvenation. Don't know that biblical rejuvenation looks quite like that. Yes. But... We are called to love ourselves, And so I think that that's where this interior freedom really Hmm. comes into play and really kind of intertwines with exterior freedom um, because we can't really love our neighbors well if we don't love ourselves well. If we hold on to fear and shame and guilt, then that's where we're going to be acting from. Yeah, I think so. Well, and, and I think you think about when you're feeling guilty or shame or, or fearful, you know, then you look to justify yourself. You know, you look, you, you ask people for what they can't give you in a sense, yeah. or, or maybe you seek to tear people down so that you feel better about yourself because we're all on the same level. Right. So let's look at kind of these three things that we looked at or that we named um, for that we need interior freedom from or, or like right. how, and kind of how we can combat because we all feel guilt, we all feel shame, we all feel fear, right? Yes. But we are free from that. And yeah. I think that probably the biggest one is fear. Um, Paul in Romans talks about we're no longer slaves to fear, wh- but we're children of God, right? Yeah. That we've been we've been freed to that from yeah. that, uh, and we've been called out of the slavery to fear. Yeah. And into a relationship with Christ, right. right? First John 4, perfect love casts out no. fear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I would argue that eradicating fear from our life is number one mm-hmm. priority because I think that you can make the argument, and I will make the argument, yeah. that all sin stems from fear. Ooh, yeah. I think that yeah. all sin stems from fear because we're afraid of how somebody else is going to react or what Mm. we're not going to get, or Mm. I have to do this because I'm afraid for my life, or I can't give this because Mm. I'm afraid that whatever, or I'm going to act in this way because I'm afraid that I won't be accepted if Mm. I don't, or Mm. so I think afraid we're going to miss out, we're going to miss out or whatever. I, I, 
really, I think that when we look especially on habitual sin, mm. we can look back and say it's a, we can draw it back to some sort of fear. Mm. And the one challenge that I always get from the Holy Spirit is, am I enough? Mm. Is God enough? Is Jesus enough? And if the answer is yes, I think that you'll find that a lot of those fears fall away, especially if you're a parent or if you're married, because (laughs) now you're dealing with a whole host of fears that have nothing really to do with you, but you have a fear of losing a child. You have a fear of, of, of losing, um, you have a new fear of, I don't know that I was ever really afraid of death until I got married Hmm. because Hmm. I'm not really afraid for my own death. I don't really care about my own death. I mean, like, yes, I want to live. But I also know that when I die, it's all going to be good and gravy because I'm going to be with Jesus. And that's like, okay, it's very comforting. There's freedom in in knowing that. that. Yeah, absolutely. But it's harder to know that it's all going to be okay when a loved one's no longer there, right? Right, right. Or even if you're not going to be there for a loved one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When my death is just about me, that's like, well, whatever. But when my death has an impact on on others that I love right. and care about, then that that can instill some more fear. Right, yeah. And so now we're acting from a different place than we would from the freedom that we have Right. Uh, And just worrying about our own deaths. Right. Yeah. So and it's not due to the fact that we got married. It's not due to the fact that we had kids. It's it's due to fear. It's a fear that we have. Right. And yes, I guess you could not get married. And yes, you could not have kids. And then you would avoid that particular fear. Um, But we all have people that we love. Right. So even if we weren't married and even if we didn't have kids, we would still probably have some sort of significant relationship in our life, some sort of significant friendship that or maybe with our parents or with somebody else that is we would be afraid to lose them or what's my right the impact of my death going to have on them yeah right so when i that was a rabbit trail no 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 i i think I, i love that you're bringing this up because i think about how frequently we are commanded in scripture to not fear yeah right do not fear again and again and again and again and again in scripture as if and I, I think i don't know something like there's there's a do not fear command for every day of the every day of the year or something like that there's yeah. like that many in scripture something like that but it's a really big theme right do not fear but then on the other hand there's also the invitation or the command to fear the lord Ooh. and that the fear of the lord is according to proverbs and psalms the beginning of wisdom and I, I think that gets back to the sovereignty piece. Mm. Who is worthy? Who actually has authority? Right? All of these things that we fear have no authority. Yeah, death doesn't win. Death doesn't win. Who has authority? It's God. So he is the one that we are to respect, hold in reverence, hold in awe, fear, recognize as the one who actually has authority, which then frees us from living under the fear of these other things. If God is ultimately sovereign, yeah. So I think I think that's, I I think it's so good that you're bringing this up. Um, anyway, I just wanted to add that in. No, 
I appreciate that you did because I was like, man, I'm just going on a really morbid tangent here <laughs> about death. <laughs> I know. Uh, Hannah, I'm sorry if you listen to this and <laughs> talking about our deaths. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Jess. I know you don't listen, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do and you'll surprise me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the freedom from fear, getting back to that, I think that that's such a foundational place to start. Well, and again, it's not something that happens just because we know Jesus or just because we have a relationship with him. Yeah. That's something that Jesus and the Holy Spirit actively drives out and that we, we have to practice. It's not yeah. just something all of a sudden, okay, I gave my life to Jesus. Now I'm never going to fear again. Like that's not, that's not true. But do you trust God enough to do something that goes against your self-preservation or do something differently in the face of what you fear? Yeah. Can you give that fear to God? Right. Because right. when you said, you know, the angel comes and says, do not be afraid or the angel of the Lord or whoever it is, there's right. these, yeah. all these, do not be afraid. Usually it's followed up for the Lord, your God is with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Or God has sent me or, yes. you yes. know, there's some sort of, some sort of recognition of this is why you shouldn't be afraid. Yeah. yeah. It's not because I'm not scary, you <laughs> right. know, right. or that this situation doesn't stink. Or yes. that you shouldn't be afraid, but don't be afraid because God is with you. Right. And God is right. working right now. Yeah. You may not be able to see it, but he sent me to tell you he's working. He's working. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that when we do, it's not like we're never going to be afraid again. But how do we respond when those fears try to drive us to a certain action or inaction? Right. Right. Well, I think this, and I, I think this, this, this will take us into the other ideas that we want to think about too. Yeah. But, um, and I don't remember who said it originally, but the idea that courage is not about not being afraid, but it's what we do with that fear. Like we will be afraid, and to be a courageous person is how we respond, how we act. Mm -hmm. And I think we will be afraid. There will be moments of of fear in the Christian life, and I think again, First John. Perfect love drives out fear this side of eternity, even though God's love for us is perfect, we may not be able to uh fully comprehend the perfection of God's love, so I think we will we will struggle with fear, but then, as you said, what do we do with that? Do we dwell under that, or do we give that over to god do we do we offer it up to the Lord and I think that's true of um of guilt and shame, right? When yeah. we do things, and this is, I don't know if we're ready to move on, but if yeah. when we do things that are contrary to God's purpose, when we do things that hurt that love relationship with God or hurt one another, you know, those two greatest commandments, there's, I think, an, an immediate sort of sense of shame or guilt that comes up in us because we know we've done something that we should not have done. We know we've hurt mm -hmm. someone. And then I think the question is, is guilt or shame something that should continue? Is is it something that has a place, an ongoing place in the life of the Christian? And I know you have some thoughts on this. Yes, I have very strong opinions on this. Um, uh, mainly because guilt and shame have played a huge role in my life, and especially in my 
young Christian life. Yeah. Um, and kind of keeping me from God. But I've come to the conclusion that there is no room for guilt or shame in the life of a Christian. Yeah. Right. So I've so actually say, say some more about that because I don't yeah. I don't know that initially everyone would be on board with that. Right. So I've actually had a couple conversations with people and I throw that out there and they're like, well, so you don't ever feel bad for when you when you sin. I'm like, well, kind of yes and no. Yes, <laughs> I, I do feel bad and yeah. I see it as as um, something that I shouldn't have done. But then I recognize it or I've been convicted of it. Right. I. Um, repent and ask for forgiveness, right? right? And after that, it's donezo. It's gone, right? Yeah. I, because my belief is that after that particular stage, now the guilt and the shame that I'm wallowing in, it's because of my own selfish desire that I need to feel bad so that I can mm. pay back God in some way for mm. feeling... I felt this bad for this long or i've had this intense feeling now i feel like i've paid my debt yeah and that is robbing christ of what he actually did hmm, on the cross so it becomes almost a work yeah becomes a a work of uh contrition or right paying for yeah i'm gonna pay for my sin by 30 days of guilt yeah and at the end of that 30 days i will have been right freed from that and then i i also think that if we practice guilt in that way, um, kind of selfishly, it's a habit, right? If we practice it that much, then it becomes a habit. And so now we live in the bondage of guilt, which oftentimes, you know, drives you away from where you should go. I feel bad because I did this. I sinned against God or I sinned against another person. Feeling bad about it and feeling guilty about it usually does not drive you to reconciliation. Yeah. It usually does not drive you to God. It drives you away from God. Mm. So that is counter to what we are called to do in the restoration of our relationship with others and in the restoration of our relationship with God. So I say get guilt and shame out of here. And that's harder done than said. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, okay. So just to step back a little bit. So think. So how... How then, like, what drives us to repentance? So, prodigal son, right? In the faraway country mm-hmm. with the pigs, mm-hmm. comes to this realization of like, oh my gosh, I've made some terrible choices. I've made a, <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. You know, turns around, goes back to the father. So, if we're getting guilt and shame out of here, then then what, what? I mean, what is it that works in us, or how do we get to that place of repentance if we're not feeling guilt or shame? Or am I mi- or am I misrepresenting what you're saying? Um. Yes and no. Okay. Because I think that conviction. I think this is where we're just kind of need to be careful with our words here. Right, right. Right? So I think conviction is a huge... I mean, that's a huge part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, right? Yeah. And I think that that's what the prodigal son felt. Mm. And I'm not saying that the prodigal son was was without shame or guilt. Um, He's obviously not a perfect picture of what our relationship with God should look like, right? Right. I mean, it is a very realistic illustration of what our relationships may look like. Um but 
I think conviction is healthy and necessary and good yeah. and painful. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I think if we let that conviction stew too long, then it becomes guilt and shame. Mm. So that's why I say there's no room for guilt or shame, mm. but it's conviction yeah. of the wrongdoing that I've done. Right. But we have the the assurance, and I think the answer to your question of kind of what drives us back to God is love and love driving out fear, right? Mm-hmm. So we can kind of yeah. go back to that and yeah. that all things yeah. stem from fear, yeah. right? Um, all sin stems from fear, not all things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, that conviction is healthy yes. and that oftentimes we can take that conviction for our own selfishness and turn yeah. it into to, to guilt and shame. Yeah, I think that's really... I think that's really good because, because yeah, every moment when we when we sin, I think the the, the and so sort of this question of what are we going to do with our freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Stand firm. What do we do with that with that sin? What do we do with that conviction? And I think that the the similarly we can turn one of two directions. We can turn toward self or we can turn toward God. And when we turn toward self, I, I think that's where we get into the guilt and the shame. It's it's all focused on on me. Mm-hmm. Right? What have I done? Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to turn this back to God because I recognize that I have been freely forgiven, offered forgiveness. I have yes, I have hurt my relationship with God, but God will welcome me back. I'm going to turn this towards God. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to repent. And then, and, and this line that comes up in, in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 9, I think it is, or, or 10, God remembers our sins no more. Which is one of those, like, yeah, I'm doing head explosion hands here. <laughs> <laughs> but God, who is all-knowing forgets our sins. How have I never connected those dots before? Right? That is Which that and that's maybe another <laughs> another podcast. But if God is not remembering our sins, then I think we need to think long and hard before we remember our sins. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because that elevates us to the place of God or above God. Think, no, 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 God, you really need to hang on to this because I'm hanging on to this. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think we're ready to move on yet. And, and I think oftentimes we're not ready to move on because we maybe we're not we're clinging to it and we're not confessing. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's the, the, the gift of confession is the freedom of bringing it to God. Yeah. Bring it out, in out the light. in the open and letting letting him deal with it. Yeah, and you I know, th- letting it be crucified again with Christ. Yeah, and I think that the fear, and again, I use that word yeah, intentionally, the absolutely. fear and the pushback that I get against when I tell people that there's no reason for guilt or shame, and I kind of go down that logic, is that that's going to lead into a life of just sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and not really living with the consequences of that, or that yeah. we're just going to live a life that perpetuate sin Mm. and not holiness and sanctification. And I think that it's the exact opposite. I think Mm. it promotes Mm. a life of turning towards God instead of towards self. And I understand where that might be the thought. And Paul even understood that thought and said, okay, so should we keep sinning so that grace can abound more? 
No, may as it some never as, be. As some have accused us of saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And it's like, no, that is not what we're saying. We're not saying keep sinning. I think it gets back to our exterior yeah. freedom, too, is that if we can throw off the fear, the guilt, and the shame, now we don't have a fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. And we we have a trust that God will work even through our failure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that now removes the barrier to how many things that we're afraid to do, that conversation that God wants us to have with that person, you know, yeah. or I don't know what's going to happen if I, I don't know, move somewhere else and yeah. pursue this thing that I think God's calling me to. Like it helps remove that because what if I fail? Well, is it ever really a failure if God is working through it? Yeah. Right. So yeah. we look at Peter or at least I look at Peter when he's walk when uh, Jesus is walking on water calls Peter out of the boat. Peter walks on water, takes his eyes off Jesus. Shoop, he sinks, right? Yeah. Did Peter fail? Most of the time, I get the answer of yes, Peter failed because he did not succeed at yeah. walking on water. Yeah. But Peter did something that literally no other human besides Jesus True. has ever done, yeah. and he walked on water. Yeah. That sounds like a success to me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a glass half full sort of guy. I definitely <laughs> am. But, but no, I get your point, though. Yeah, he because... He stepped out of the boat. Yeah. He did walk on water. But He ultimately but sank, but what, he did. What yeah. measure are we looking at failure? Yeah. Is it because Jesus rebuked him? Okay, well, Jesus is going to rebuke me, too, because I'm going to yeah. fail in that sense. I am going to sin. But has the glory of God been brought about by that story or mm. by the faith that it helped Peter develop in knowing that when he does yeah. fail, that God's going to be right there to grab him. Yeah. He's not going to let him sink. He's not going to let him just fall flat and drown. So I think, no, we don't want to look at that as a success recipe so that we continue to repeat failure of falling into sin and taking our eyes off of Jesus. Yeah. I understand that form of logic but i think what we do want to do is is look at how that developed peter's faith and how he's known for his boldness and his risk taking and part of the reason i think that he can do that one he's naturally that way and two i think it's because he knows who jesus is he's the first to recognize jesus for who he is gift from the holy spirit not something of himself right yes but he's the first to recognize God for who he is. And uh, he continues that charge post-resurrection, right? Right. In that, in that boldness. And I think part of the reason is like, okay, well, there's this lame man here uh, at the temple. I could tell him to get up and walk, but what if he doesn't walk? Uh, You know, we don't see that reaction from Peter. He's like, Hey, I got something better for you than money. Get up and walk. Yeah, and it's like, right. whoa, boom. boom. Yeah. Well, and I think just, you know, we think of failure in terms of what did we want to accomplish in a particular moment, right? Yeah. And I wanted to walk out to Jesus. I didn't get there. It's a failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, where 
I mean, it, it's so important to know the nature of God. It's so important to, I think sovereignty is like, it's not just, it's not just theology for people that want to talk about things that don't matter. It is so incredibly practical mm-hmm. because that takes that, you know, from a human perspective, I, I you know, I might, I might still say, well, there was a failure there. You know, he didn't, he didn't, because right. he didn't accomplish what he wanted to. But I think you're exactly right in the big scheme of things, in the God story scheme of things, it wasn't a failure. Or if it was a failure, it was just, it was a redeemed failure, yeah. which, you know, is that still a failure? I don't know. Does it matter? It, it was God used it, has used it, will continue to use it for his purposes, for his glory, to build up Peter's life. And in that sense, you know, when we are living life with God, then at the very least, we don't need to be afraid of failure. And, and maybe at, to the greatest extent, we could say there's no such thing as failure. There's just learning. Yeah. So I think now you're becoming Yoda. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Very different yeah. theology there. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but I think that this brings us back around to the thing that kind of causes both these exterior and interior freedoms that we've been talking about to kind of the, um, I don't know what it's called, the point on which it all rotates. Yeah. What am I, what's that word? It's a word, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm the not going to be able to help right now. Something like that. Yeah. The axis is this idea of contentment hmm. or indifference and or indifference, yeah. right? I think contentment breeds indifference and indifference yeah. breeds and indif- contentment. Indifference, you're using that in a very specific sense, which is using the Ignatius spiritual exercises of holding things loosely. Yes. Yeah. Right? Not like a whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but right. I am open to what might happen. Right. I don't hold on. I don't desire one result over another result. Yeah. or one particular thing over another thing because I trust that God will use whatever situation. So yeah. I'm I'm not striving for wealth over poverty. Yeah. If God wants me to be wealthy, he'll use that. Right. If God wants me to be poor, he'll use that, right? right. Which, Health over sickness. Right. That one blew my mind when I was walking mm. through the Ignatian exercises. Mm. It's like, but no, I'm supposed to live a healthy life. Yes, we are supposed to live healthy lives. Yeah. Our bodies are temples. But can God use sickness in the same way that he can use health? Maybe not in the same way, but he can in the sense that he can use it in the same way to bring about his glory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and, e- and even our good or the good of those around us. Around us. Yeah. yeah. It's not all about us. Despite yeah, our... Which is so hard for us to... I know. Me. I would speak personally. It's hard for me. I know. I was yeah. about to point the finger at everybody else, yeah. but it's totally me too. Well, I think uh, Paul... So Paul Philippians 4... You know, I have been through hardship and, and, and shipwrecks and I've been without food and I've been beaten and um, nearly to the point of death. And he goes through this litany of all the things that have happened to him. And then he says, but I have learned the secret of contentment. I, I, you know, I'm content in all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is wait very possibly the most misquoted out of context passage in all of scripture and all of Christian history. Yeah. I in the 20th century was gonna say wasn't paul about to like run out on to the field to kick the winning field goal or something <laughs> you know scholars debate ah. scholars debate yeah he was it was an early rugby match and ah, uh, he rugby. Was, yeah they had they had prison rugby when he was writing the book to the philippians 
Um, the Longest Meter. It's a great movie. <laughs> the Longest Meter. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's, you know, what he's talking about is this idea of indifference. This idea that whatever happens to me in life, no matter how many times I get kicked out of the synagogue, no matter how many times, no matter how many times I get run out of a town or run out of a city, no matter how many times I get thrown in prison, I am content. I am okay with it because I know that God is working in me and through those situations for his own glory to build the church that he will, um, that, that God is at work. And therefore I can do all things. I can endure hardship. I can endure prison. I can endure suffering. I can endure relationships with people that I don't like. I can be patient. I can be kind. I can love others through Christ who strengthens me. And maybe you can also kick a field goal, but that's really not the point. And yeah. if we have a list of like the top thousand things that Paul's talking about, I don't even, that doesn't even make the list. No. That's not even on the top thousand. No. Maybe in like the hundred thousand, you know, in a certain scenario, because God can use all things for his glory, even sports. But not what Paul's talking about. Yeah. You know, I feel pretty content about this episode. I do too. You know, there's more that could be said as always, but I think that's, uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. I'm practicing self-discipline. God can do all things (laughs) through my self-discipline to not talk anymore. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, always a pleasure. Yes, it is. These conversations. And I think, one final, I, th- I think just all of these conversations relate, right? Because we believe that they're all related to this idea of living life on the vine. And so um, I'd say if, if freedom is not something that you feel like you're experiencing in mm-hmm. your life, or if you have questions about it, I think that idea that Jackson said of spending time in prayer, spending time in silence, learning to listen to the voice of the one that calls you the beloved, spending time in prayer, coming to know the nature of this sovereign God who rules, who overrules, who redeems all situations, who redeemed the cross, who works his uh, will in the course of long periods of time, who works in unseen ways, coming to know this God and the love that comes to us in Jesus. That that's the, that's the starting place of learning to, to live in this freedom and, and just recognize it's a, it's a journey, right? It's a long obedience in the same direction to steal from Eugene Peterson. And so we're all on this journey together and, um, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And if you need some encouragement, keep listening to us and hopefully you can learn a few things, but also if you're in the Tulsa area and you need a community to help, you feel that freedom to help you live into that um come join us down at first Pres. yeah uh downtown tulsa yeah uh, we'd love to have you um you can ask for hutch or jackson and uh we'll love meet you at the door yeah we'd love to, we can even get coffee at yeah. a socially Ooh, we distanced love, we love coffee yeah socially distanced out, uh, outside with masks but we will get coffee with you yes <laughs> So, do you cut a hole through your mask so you can drink it through the straw <laughs> or yeah I, I just have a mesh just yeah. a mesh mask yeah. Well, yeah. we are I, I think that might be something worth mentioning. We are having services 
We are yeah. disinfecting. We're encouraging mask wearing. Um, we're roping off every other pew. Yeah, doors are open, so you don't have to touch door handles. There's, um, there's even an evening service. Yeah, there's an evening service out that's Camp outside. Lockridge, 5 p.m. outside. That's it's, it's shaded. Family um, friendly, too. Yeah, family friendly. So come um, on out and join us. Uh, or there's always the online offerings. Right, right. Um, we've got some Sunday schools for, for youth that are out there. Uh, we've got uh, services that you can find on Facebook live streamed. Um, but there's all sorts of options. And if, if all that fails, go on the website, find our email, send us an email, and we'd love to help you get connected. Well, thanks, Dan. Jackson, always a pleasure. It really is. It really is. This is a pleasurable experience. Yeah. Just getting to sit and talk with you like we do in the office. Yeah. And we said at the very beginning, in these conversations, our hope is to sort of uncork the can of worms, right? Take the lid off the can yep. and just begin to explore. These are big topics. And there's a lot more that could be said. And we will circle back around at some point later on in the life of this podcast. But thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. If you've listened up to this point or if you are a new listener, thanks so much for listening, for uh, giving us your time and, and letting us speak into your lives a little bit. It's a, it's a real honor and privilege for us. Yeah, and if you would take some time and maybe leave us a comment on what you want us to talk about in the future, that'll be really helpful. Subscribe, like. Uh, the other thing that the comments do is they help others find us. Yeah. So again, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to Eric for our intro music. Yeah. Yeah, and Eric, you're the man. He is the man. He's the man. He's quite literally the man. <laughs> very talented, very talented. So, well, until next time. Yep, that's it for us. Jackson and Hutch signing off. Over and out. Roger, Roger. Fritz. We have clearance, Clarence. <laughs>